We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am your host, James Anderson. We are brought to you by WinBet. And this week, it'll just be me. Uh, going to be doing a mailbag for you. Uh, got a lot of questions here, so I really appreciate everyone who took the time to to send those in on Twitter. Uh, and let's just get right into it. I'm uh, going to cover a lot of ground. Um, the first question is from friend of the show, Dan Carrado, and he wants to know uh, about the Rotowire Dynasty mock and if there's any content on that. Um, that's going to be coming early next week on the site i'm going to be updating the dynasty rankings and i'm going to be writing an article to kind of recap uh, how my draft went uh, in the rotowire dynasty mock Uh, but the really exciting thing is that the next three weeks uh, on the podcast i'm going to be having uh, almost every person who took part in that mock on I think we're going to have you know a handful of guys on next week, a handful the week after, and then a handful uh, that following week. Um, so right around Christmas, we'll be getting all those pods in. And that should be a lot of fun. You'll get to hear from some of the best dynasty minds in the industry and just kind of get a sense for uh, what their strategy was, what went right, what went wrong. And I, I think you'll enjoy the, the article I'll be putting up on the site, recapping that as well. And then obviously the, the dynasty rankings that'll go with that. Uh, Dan also wanted an update on my dog Baldwin. Uh, Baldwin is kind of the Jordan Alvarez of dogs. He is awesome. Uh, a lot of plus tools, but he also uh, has been dealing with some lower body injuries just because of how big he is. Uh, he, he runs hard, he plays hard. So I uh, have had to take him to the vet a few times in the past month, which is uh, not that fun. Um, so if anyone has a recommendation for a, a better uh, pet insurance than the one I'm currently using, uh, feel free to send that in. Uh, next question is from Michael Patrick. Uh, he wants to know what I'm doing with Christian Robinson in a 12-team, uh, 20 MILB spot league, which would be roughly 240-plus prospects rostered. Uh, Robinson is is kind of borderline in that type of format. Uh, this is one of those questions where like he should be rostered. Like if 240 plus prospects are rostered, Christian Robinson should probably be one of those, uh, 240, 250. Uh, but if you're using my rankings, uh, if you're really kind of staying plugged in, um, to pop up guys and that type of thing, 
it probably shouldn't be you who's rostering him. Uh, you probably should have been able to find uh, some better guys than Robinson, or at least some guys who, you know, maybe have um, fewer question marks. Uh, Chris, Chris Welsh told me um, recently that Robinson completed his community service and has been working out in Arizona since he's no longer, or since he's not on the 40 man roster and is not affected by the lockout. So that's, that's really good news. The fact that he's just stateside and it has been, um, has been getting some work in. So, I mean, that, that's great, but I mean, we're still talking about a, a ton of missed developmental time. And this was a guy who already had, you know, some questions about the hit tool. Um, so it's just very, very volatile. Uh, with Christian Robinson and he's already on the 40 man roster. So like there, there's kind of a crunch where, you know, he's nowhere near big league ready yet. He's going to be taking up that spot on the 40 man roster. So that he might get pushed more aggressively than, than kind of he's ready for. So um, very risky prospect, still, still a high ceiling, but um, I think in, in that type of league, ideally you would have 20 better options, but uh, someone should probably be rostering him there. Uh, next question is from Steve G. Uh, Steve's a, a loyal listener. Um, he wants to know my thoughts on Evan Carter for a 14-team league with 14 uh, minor league spots. Evan Carter, of course, uh, in the Rangers system. Uh, so that would be a league where you know roughly 200-plus prospects are rostered. Um, kind of the same thing. I mean, Evan Carter should definitely be rostered in that type of format. Uh, the speed is is very appealing, obviously. Uh, good contact hitter. Um, maybe it was a little too patient. You know, you might even use the word passive in his debut. Um, but you know, he, he also has a chance to be a leadoff hitter and, you know, in a few years, it doesn't project to hit for a ton of power, but he's got some pop. Um, it was a, you know, it was a sneaky pick by the Rangers when they did it. He wasn't on, on a lot of radars at the time. And they obviously kind of found something there. Uh, but I do think, you know, there are places, uh, I think Steve said there, you know, he's a top 100 guy for some people, uh, that I can't get behind that. Um, you know, he's just, he's too far away. Uh, the, the track record, the lead time, not a top 100 guy. Uh, if you can trade him for a guy that I've got in my top, like 125 or something like that, or, or maybe for a, like a top 12, top 15, first year player draft pick. Uh, I would, I would explore that. Uh, next question is from AGE baseball news. He wants to know when a guy shows strikeout issues in the lower levels after getting pushed, how concerned are you long-term? Are there examples of guys who've corrected these struggles to become plus hitters? He mentions Marco Luciano and Edbert Perez as guys that I've cooled on. Um, you know, I mean, th the thing about that is you need to like the very best guys, the guys that go on to be special. Uh, a lot of them have had, you know, major strikeout issues or at least, you know, the strikeout rate has hovered in a range where it's kind of scary. Uh, Ronald Acuna, Fernando Tatis, uh, Luis Robert come to mind. Uh, but the thing is, when those guys were striking out a lot, they were still just doing a ton of damage. Um, so I think that that's kind of something to keep in mind you know it, you don't just look at the strikeout rate you look at is he striking out a ton but also just doing a ton of damage uh, like Tatis was doing at double a I mean Acuna just kept getting pushed so aggressively that you could kind of forgive the strikeouts because of how young he was 
and he was still, you know, very productive. Uh, with Luciano, obviously, that was not the case at high A, you know, very small sample. Uh, was not the case for Hedbert Perez at uh, low A, very small sample. As I've said many times, you know, Hedbert Perez got that push. Uh, you know, the Brewers, I think, knew he was going to struggle at low A. And it was more about just kind of letting Hedbert Perez know that his approach from the complex league was not going to transfer over against more advanced pitchers. He's incredibly talented, obviously, the, the power that he gets to, you know, very easy, um, but just way too aggressive, um, terrible swing decisions at low A. Luciano, kind of the same thing. Um, but I mean, these guys are, are incredibly talented. Uh, but there are some red flags now with those guys. Um, so I think it's it's fair to be a little lower than any of us were um, preseason. Uh, but I mean, they're, they're still, you know, Luciano's uh, you know, top 25 prospect, Hedbert's, you know, probably top 50 prospect still, um, despite those strikeout issues. Uh, Durr Spooky says he just found out I'm into the band Fish and wants to know how many or wants to know my first show, how many I've been to, and the best show I've been to. Uh, first discovered fish uh, in 2002 when my uh, cousin bought me the album Round Room for Christmas. Uh, I was a sophomore in high school at that point. Um, they broke up in 2004, so I never got to see them before they broke up. I saw them in the summer of 2009, though, when they got back together. I went to both shows at Alpine Valley that summer. Um, I've probably been to about 15 to 20 fish shows. Uh, the best show uh, very easily was the Super Bowl at Watkins Glen in upstate New York. Uh, that was a, a three-day festival, and um, you know that was just legendary. Uh, Good friend Bricks, who I play in a couple dynasty leagues with, uh, wants to know when I will join a 30 team dynasty league. Um, you know, I, I probably will join a 30 team dynasty league at some point here in the next couple of years. I, I'm not going to be joining any dynasty leagues as a replacement manager. Uh, I just, that's just not that appealing to me. I mean, there's, I'm already in too many leagues as it is. So, it would have to be a startup and I'd have to, you know, kind of know and trust the commissioner and, and that type of thing. But uh, certainly open to that. Um, he wants to know. He also wants to know what month of 2022 will Harrison Bader get to 4040? Uh, that's that's funny um, because uh, Bricks always used to make fun of how high I was on on Bader. And uh, I think he's kind of coming around. Um so, I'll, you know, I'll say like July or August, Bader probably gets to 40-40. And then he wants to know, what is Caleb Killian's ceiling? Uh, Killian, of course, was in the deal um, going back to the Cubs that sent uh, Chris Bryant to the Giants. Uh, you know, Killian, I, I forgot to ask Chris Welsh about him when we were doing our AFL wrap-up pod a couple weeks ago. Killian... Uh, probably improved his stock in my eyes more than any prospect in the fall league. Uh, he was, you know, in my Cubs top 20, but not inside my top 400. He will be inside my top 400 on the next update. He'll probably be inside my top 300. He was really impressive in the fall league. Uh, and, you know, for his ceiling, Killian is one of those guys where 
he's going to get that mid rotation tag when you see people writing him up. But I think he's one of those guys where maybe his ceiling is going to get slept on um, because he has the traits that, that can lead to a guy outperforming his ceiling where, you know, he's got good command. He's got a, a really good fastball. It's just a matter of how good can the secondaries get. And, you know, it, it sounds like, you know, it seems like he's trending up. It seems like the fastball's trending up. Um, you know, the command is, is a big mark in his favor. So, uh, you know, he could be maybe a you know number two, number three starter if everything really goes well. And he's, he's fairly close to the majors. Uh, I don't think we'll see too much of him in 2022, but um, certainly a guy to, to keep an eye on, a guy that you might even want to take in your first year player drafts if he's unrostered in your in your dynasty league um bricks you know he got five questions in here uh they're all good so i'll answer all of them uh he wants to know what my favorite cheese is uh this is maybe the best question that i got um you know living in wisconsin cheese is probably my my favorite food and i don't think you can beat cheddar cheese uh you know i like baby cheddar i like smoked cheddar mild cheddar medium cheddar uh, the only the only cheddar I don't really like is the aged stuff that's kind of crumbly. Um, it's just kind of a pain to eat, um, and a little it's a little too uh, dank. Um, but I, I mean, I, I love cheddar cheese. I love all cheeses for the most part. Uh, Bricks also wants to know what the furthest I've traveled for a concert is, and that was that uh, fish show in Watkins Glen that I mentioned earlier. Uh, Todd Boothby wants to know uh, how proximity plays into my prospect rankings. What's my general dynasty draft strategy? Uh, proximity really, really factors in when we're talking about pitching prospects. Um, you know, you're very rarely going to see me rank a pitching prospect inside my top 100 who has not reached high A if, if, they are inside there and they, they haven't reached high a that just means that they have a, a ridiculously high ceiling um with with hitters you know the, i think my top seven in my prospect rankings are all guys that i expect to debut early this season you don't get to one uh who, who might not debut in 2022 until you get to cj abrams um so you know proximity is very important on the on the hitting side as well but we can at least feel more confident about guys who are further away when they're hitters, if they're showing really impressive skills, because uh, we don't have to worry about a career altering injury or, you know, losing command, like that type of thing. I mean, pitching, pitching prospects are just so volatile. You don't want to be rostering too many of them for like two to three years before they reach the majors. Cause just so much can go wrong. And anyone who know my, my general dynasty draft strategy, um, I think the key with your your very first picks, like your first three to four picks of a startup draft, is that you want to be able to stay flexible. Um, you know, you don't I don't I don't like the idea of taking, you know, multiple prospects in your first two to three picks uh, or multiple, um, you know, 28, 29 year olds with your first few picks because you just don't know what the board's going to give you. And so you want to be able to zig in one direction or the other. Um, you know, the Rotowire Dynasty mock that I'm doing, 
it kind of turned out that, and this might've been partly because it was a mock and there was not money on the line, but, um, you know, young players, young hitters, prospects were, were kind of flying off the board. It seemed like everyone was kind of going fairly young. And so, you know, I ended up grabbing, uh, George Springer in the fifth round. Um, and I kept, I kept a flexible roster, to that point. And so I actually think I could win that league if we played it out in year one, uh, just based on the way the value is sort of falling down the board. So I think you just want to be able to stay flexible and let the board kind of dictate what you're doing. Um, generally I say to try to win in year two, because I think that that's, um, a, a doable strategy in most startup drafts. If you just kind of, you know, don't take those guys that are kind of over the hill especially early on um, and, and don't be afraid to, to jump on prospect value with guys who are, who are like a year away. Um, but I mean, if, if the board is going to let you try to win in year one without taking a bunch of super old guys, then that's, that's viable as well. Uh, Ariel Cohen wants to know how can you determine auction values for dynasty rankings? And he says, is there a way to compute a numerical relative value for each player? So, you know, I'm not as smart as Ariel when it comes to, you know, doing that type of calculations or anything like that. But the general thing I would say is that um, the big difference between like dynasty and redraft is there's a steeper curve from the top guys, you know, down. So like if, if we were saying it's like 260 auction dollars, in in a dynasty league, um, you know, guys like Tatis, guys like Acuna, Soto, like those guys are worth, you know, at least $100 out of a $260 budget because um, like if you think about trade value, like those guys are just so elite to have on hand. And the guys that are, you know, like further down, like an Adam Wainwright, is more kind of like a, a dollar player or like a $2 player. Um, so it's just a very, very steep curve in dynasty from the top, like 25 or so guys on down. Uh, whereas in redraft, it's much more kind of, you know, gradually descending because we're only caring about that, that year in the, in that one year that we're playing. Uh, John Hollingshed wants to know, are there any prospects last year with notable bumps in walk rate or decline in K rate that caught my eye? Um, I think in terms of a K rate dip, Tristan Casas, MJ Melendez, and Nolan Gorman come to mind. Uh, I think all three of them uh, struck out less than I was expecting. I mean, Melendez is an obvious one, right? Because he struck out like 40% of the time in 2019. But uh, Casas and Gorman were guys where you know, you were kind of worried about where that K rate might settle, but they both showed in the upper levels that it's, it's in a manageable range. Um, in terms of a, a walk rate uptick, I think, you know, Julio Rodriguez was always going to be a, a top one or two prospect at this stage, but Julio Rodriguez made big strides with his walk rate last year. And then, um, kind of a sneaky one, Everson Pereira with the Yankees, uh, part of his success in climbing, I think it was three levels was just that he was, he was just walking a ton everywhere. Um, pitchers didn't really want to pitch to him and, and he had a, a really good plan at the plate. 
Uh, John also wanted to know uh, who I think the most underrated hip hop producer is. Um, you know, I, I couldn't really narrow it down. Uh, one that really comes to mind is Q-Tip. Obviously, everyone knows Q-Tip as as the front man for a Tribe Called Quest. Uh, but I, I don't hear people talk too much about him as a producer. And I mean, he made just a, a ton of awesome beats on a ton of you know great records. Uh, a few other ones, Havoc, uh, Bink, Ski Beats, Easy Mo B and, and DJ Quick are all uh, pretty underrated. Uh, Richard Sands wants to know, for NFBC draft champions, which prospects would you be considering after pick 400? Uh, some pitchers that I that I listed, Hunter Green, whose ADP over the past couple of weeks is 442. Nick Lodolo's ADP is 456. Rowency Contreras at 490. Uh, Cody Morris uh, with the Guardians is at 599. Cole Wynn with the Rangers is at 707, which kind of surprised me. I mean, Cole Wynn, um, you know, the Rangers obviously are are trying to compete uh, this year, and, and Cole Wynn's their their best pitching or their second best pitching prospect, and they don't have uh, a ton in his way. So I think Cole Wynn will at least be in the majors for a good chunk of the season. So I think that's. A uh, pretty good value on the hitting side. Tristan Casas at 487, Nolan Gorman at 490, uh, Brennan Davis at 509, and then these next four um, are, are less heralded guys. You know, borderline top 100 guys. But Stephen Kwan at 511 uh, with Cleveland. You know, I think he could play uh, as an everyday guy for a good chunk of the year. Travis Swaggerty uh, at 7:38. Um, the Pirates, you know, there's there's not a ton in his way there, and he's got some speed that could be impactful. Uh, Diego Castillo with the Pirates. This one kind of surprised me that he his ADP is 7:49. Um, you know, there's really not a, a ton in his way either, and he's essentially big league ready. Uh, Richie Palacios with the Guardians also at 750 is is pretty good value for NFBC draft champions. Uh, Ian Strada wants to know in Auto New Dynasty, he has a $44 Manny Machado and a $2 Josh Young. Do I think Young starts the year in the majors? And if so, would I cut Machado for more draft flexibility? Um, first of all, Auto New is is a really great format. Uh, you know, I would, I would happily join another auto new league. Uh, if, if it was with a bunch of people I knew, it's just, um, it's, it's probably, it eliminates luck more than any other format I've played it because it's, it's daily moves. Um, it's salary cap. So it's just, uh, it's really fun. Um, with this specific question, uh, I'd be open to it. Um, you know, I think the Rangers are going to give Young a chance to to open the year in the majors, uh, depending on the the new CBA. Uh, I think he's essentially big league ready. I think he has a chance to have se- success right away. Um, but I think you got to at least make sure you have a safety net in case he opens there at AAA because it's not a foregone conclusion that he'll be in the big leagues. So maybe you get like a Evan Longoria type of guy for a buck, just in case you, you have to go a few weeks without Young. Um, 
and the the draft flexibility you know you can only start one third they, they don't have a corner spot in auto news so um machado you know he's he's obviously worth the 44 bucks but if you can't trade him uh, i'd be open to that uh this question i thought was pretty interesting uh zaddy guerrero jr wants to know how important are catchers to how a young pitcher performs who are the MLB catchers I want behind the plate receiving and calling a game with a rookie pitcher? Uh, and then which catchers would I not want to see with a rookie pitcher? Uh, the two that, that jumped out to me in terms of guys I want to, I want to see behind the plate are Sean Murphy and Mike Zanino. Um, I think that they both are just, you know, really fun to watch back there. They're, they're great at framing. They're great at calling a game. Um, on the on the flip side, you know, Sal Perez obviously was was terrible at framing last year. That didn't help the the young Royals pitchers. Um, Gary Sanchez is obviously bad back there. Uh, Francisco Mejia, Eric Haas, uh, Luis Camposano, um, and you know, part of the reason I was high on Sean Murphy as a prospect is because I knew that his defense wasn't going to cost him playing time. Uh, part of the reason I was low on Francisco Mejia as a prospect is because I knew that his defense was going to cost him playing time. And same thing with Luis Camposano. Uh, but, you know, I don't think you can – it's not super actionable because, like, Gary Sanchez's backup is uh, – you know, he he's a good framer, Higashioka. Uh, Francisco Mejia obviously plays with Zanino, who's a good framer. Um, Tucker Barnhart is a, is a good framer with, with Eric Haas in Detroit. And um, I guess none of the Padres guys are, are really good at framing, but um, – you know, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to really factor in, maybe use it a bit as a tiebreaker. But, you know, the other thing is catchers can get better at framing. Like we saw it with Omar Narvaez um, before he got to Milwaukee. He was a terrible framer. And last year, uh, according to StatCast, he was the best framer. <laughs> so, you know, you can't just assume, I mean, maybe with a guy like Gary Sanchez, because we have the track record or or Sal Perez, just because of how bad he was last year, we can assume that they aren't going to be good the following year. But, um, you know, it's it's really complicated. And, you know, I'm not an expert at which guys call the best games. Um, it's just not something that I, you know, I think you have to be really plugged in with the team to kind of know that. So it's it's a lot easier to just say, you know, I know Sean Murphy is, is a great guy to have back there. I know Mike Zanino is a good guy to have back there. But, um, this stuff is it fluctuates year to year and um, it's it's hard to really get a, a really good gauge of which guys call the best game and work the best with young pitchers. Jacob Masseri wants to know at what stage in a rebuild would I consider trading prospects for real assets? And then he wants my thoughts on Spencer Tor Corey Seager. Um, you know, I would do Torkelson for Seager pretty much in any scenario unless i was multiple years away from trying to contend uh you know you gotta you don't want to trade prospects until you are fairly confident in what they can and will become like so you know a guy like wilman diaz for instance is someone who you know his his value is down but i don't want to trade him yet unless someone's just giving me a haul um, cause I just, I don't know what he can become yet. Like, I don't have a, a real good feeling of, of what that's going to be. It could be a superstar still, and we just don't really know. Um, and you don't want to start trading prospects for big leaguers 
Um, unless if you can look at your roster and say, like, if I add, you know, a number two starter and a good catcher and a closer, uh, I could win the league this year. Um, then you then you can start pushing your chips in, right? But if if you need, you know, a third baseman, a second baseman, two outfielders, three starters, like you know, I think you just want to be a little bit more patient than that. Um, you should, if if you have to ask, you're probably not ready to start trading prospects for big leaguers. You, you kind of know it when you see it uh, for the most part. Brian Altman wants to know a uh, better long-term guy for fantasy, Wander Franco or Bobachet, um pretty easily. Uh, the speed is just a, a big separator there. And I mean, the power, like I, I think Bobachet gets the edge in, in power, gets the, the big edge in stolen bases, and they're going to hit for a similar batting average. Uh, AJ Smith wants to know, how do how do uh, X stats inform my dynasty ranks? For instance, Mookie Betts seems to be trending down with speed and exit velocity. Uh, you know, Mookie, I think, is actually underrated right now in dynasty. Uh, he went 20th overall in the Rotobar Dynasty mock. And now, again, that might be partly because it was a mock and he might be, you know, quote unquote, like boring or, or not sexy at this point. But I mean, his floor is just ridiculously high. Uh, he's still 28, I believe. Um, you know, he's locked into to everyday playing time with the Dodgers um, for like the next eight years, basically. Um, you know, I agree. You know, the one thing that, that we can say about Mookie is he's not going to run as much as he did at his peak, right? Like, I, I don't think we can bank on 20 steals from Mookie. Uh, I think you would take 15 if, if I got 15 steals from Mookie. Next year, I'd be happy with that. Um, and, of course, I look at X stats. I look at everything. Um, I You know, I look at X stats a lot. And I, I just think... You know, we, we see sprint speed and stuff like that can fluctuate from year to year. You don't want to rely on sprint speed as the barometer for how much a guy's going to run. I think uh, you you want to look at attempts. Um, stolen base attempts is kind of more telling to me than a guy's sprint speed. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's not the guy that he was at peak, but he still just has one of the best approaches, one of the best commands of the strike zone. Uh, he's going to be hitting high in a, in a really, really good lineup. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I think Mookie is a guy that you might be able to buy a little low on right now in Dynasty. Uh, I'm going to have to head to a message from our sponsors. But when I come back, I will give you my prediction for the top five prospects heading into 2023. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcasts. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack. Slam the slots or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, so Aaron Stoltenberg wants me to predict the top five prospects 
heading into 2023. And as I said earlier, my top seven prospects are all going to exhaust their prospect status in 2022, barring some sort of injury. Um, so, you know, I think my prediction is going to be, you know, it's kind of boring, but my prediction is going to be uh, the five guys that I have ranked highest who I do not think will exhaust their prospect eligibility, uh, which would be CJ Abrams, Corbin Carroll, Noel V. Marte, Anthony Volpe, and Brain Rocio. Now, I would, I'd feel prescient if I went three for five on that. You know, like obviously things are going to change. Uh, guys like Luis Matos, Nick York, Robert Hassel, Nick Gonzalez are all some pretty obvious challengers to get into that top five. Um, I mean, there's there's really you know dozens of guys, honestly, that could that could be in that top five in a year. Uh, in, in terms of guys who are amateurs. You know, this this upcoming MLB draft is just absolutely loaded for fantasy. Uh, Tamar Johnson, Elijah Green, and Drew Jones all have higher fantasy ceilings than Marcelo Mayer, who's the top guy from this past draft. So, you know, any of those three, you, you know, the ceilings are just so high with those three that, that they could be in the top five, even as teenagers who have barely played in pro ball. Um, but Elijah Green, you know, he used to be, the cream of the crop and now like tamar johnson and drew jones have kind of caught up to him so you know that just kind of shows you how much the the amateur market can fluctuate and how quickly things can change so um you know i i think the smart money is on guys who are in pro ball uh with abrams carol uh noel v volpe uh rocio like those guys this time next year we're going to be talking about them uh, maybe with the exception of, of Carol and Marte, but certainly with, with Abrams, Volpe and Rocio, like the, they're going to be, you know, very close to debuting in the majors if all goes as planned in 2022. So that proximity factor will be working in their favor. I think all five of those guys have uh 2020 upside. Um, you know, Abrams probably has the, the worst power of the five at this point, but he also has the most speed. Uh, Carroll is, is a nice blend of both. Obviously, Abrams and Carroll missed uh, this past season for the most part. Uh, Marte kind of needs to prove himself a little bit in, in the upper levels. Uh, Volpe was just the the biggest pop-up guy by far of these five. Um, you know, I think Volpe's... 2021 season reminds me a lot of uh, Gavin Lux's breakout year with the Dodgers. And so, you know, I think we got to be careful to not just be like, hey, this guy is just an elite, you know, slam dunk, you know, top five prospect. You know, at least for me, the fact that he went from unranked to top 15 you know, I, I just kind of want to want to see a little bit more before I just go fully all in. I mean, granted, I was I think I was the first person to put him top 15, but, um, you know, he did he did kind of cut not from out of nowhere. Obviously, he had the pedigree and everything, but um, of those five, him being in this discussion is, is definitely the most surprising. Uh, Brian Dempsey wants to know, uh, he says he's seen George Valera compared to Robinson Cano 
and Juan Soto for his sweet swing. Uh, and then he wants to know what I see as Valera's ultimate ceiling and when he will be up. Um, you know, Cano and Soto probably have two of the best hit tools of my lifetime. So those are not comps that I endorse with Valera. I mean, Valera, yeah, <laughs> it's not like he was hitting 300 uh, in the minors last year. Um, so, I mean, Cano and Soto, I think maybe that that's just like a visual comp with the swing and everything, but I don't see him being uh, that type of player. Um, they go about it in very different ways, but I could see George Valera's production being similar to Chris Bryant's production at peak. Uh, Granted, Valera will be a left fielder in all likelihood while Chris Bryant was playing third base. Um so yeah, I mean like high OBP, you know, 30 homers, that type of thing. Uh not a ton of of stolen bases. And then in terms of ETA, I think Valera will be up uh sometime in 2023 if all goes according to plan, uh maybe like June of 2023. Whole Camels wants to know uh Shane Boz or Logan Gilbert for 2022 only. Shane Boz um pretty easily there. Uh, just higher ceiling, more success in in his early big league career. So yeah, uh, Boz for sure. Matthew Vandebrand uh, wants to know which of these Royals prospects I value higher and who has a better chance to be an MLB regular, Eric Pena or Suli Matias. Uh, you know, I, I think there's probably like a, very, very small chance either guy's ever an MLB regular. Uh, Eric Pena had really no excuse to be as bad as he was last year at the complex level. Um, just age, experience, everything. Like that was a a a level where he should have really performed. Um, so that that's a huge red flag for me. Suli Matias, like even at his absolute peak as a prospect back in like 2018, um, like his ceiling was Joey Gallo with a lower walk rate. And he's he hasn't improved on that approach at all. Um, I mean, the power is still really impressive with Matias, but we've just got a a long track record now of him of his hit tool just being really, really bad. So uh, I don't think you should be rostering Pena or Matias in leagues where fewer than 500 prospects are rostered, but I'll just say Pena by default because we've just got a, a smaller sample with him. So, you know, he's got more time to to really make improvements, whereas Matias is kind of running out of time. Uh, Mike Blank uh, wants to know if I'm worried that I've become uh, or have been too convincing in my argument that uh, Aaron Ashby is his draft price has been driven up too far. Um, you know, he's going around pick 269 uh, right now in, in NFBC draft and holds over the past couple of weeks. I think that's pretty fair. Uh, so, I mean, if you, if you pop Aaron Ashby at 250 uh, or 245 or whatever, uh, I think that that's something you can feel pretty good about and you shouldn't feel like you, spent too much and i i just got him in the 30s of a prospect mock i was doing with uh eric cross and and chris clegg of fantrax so you know him being valued by sort of the market 
in the 30s as a prospect and in the mid 200s for redraft you know i think you can still buy him and not stress out too much about it in in those formats uh jason newman wants to know are there any prospects worthy of a roster spot in a 10 team mixed league uh with 25 man rosters for 2021 so we're talking about a obviously a, a shallow league here uh, I think Bobby Witt, Shane Boz, Aaron Ashby, and Joe Ryan are the four prospects who should absolutely be rostered in a format like that. Now, a shallow league, I think you you kind of care even more about upside because you can afford to just have a guy on your bench. You hope it works out. If it doesn't, you can drop him and you're picking up someone who's really good anyways because of how shallow the league is. So with that in mind, I think if you can fit Adley Rutschman or Julio Rodriguez on your bench, I think that makes sense in a league that shallow. And then you can hopefully just get by until those guys are up. Um, but Witt, Boz, Ashby, and Joe Ryan are the four that I think should definitely be rostered in that league, Jason. Uh, Tyler Boressa uh, wants to know why I do not have Chris Paddock ranked in my Dynasty Top 400 and where I see him finishing next year in the rankings. I mean, Paddock, you know, poor performance mixed with injury concerns. The Padres have a really poor track record of getting the most out of guys like this. Um, so, I mean, batters hit 314 and slugged 531 against his fastball last year. So, I mean, his fastball is just a big problem right now. So, I just, you know, for, for a pitcher like that, I just I would rather um, roll with someone who, you know, does not have all these concerns. I know he's young. Uh, I know that he probably has a rotation spot if he's if he's healthy out of camp next year, but uh, just just not my cup of tea. And then uh, Tyler also wants to know, uh, am I more of a bush light guy or a hazy IPA guy? Uh, Hazy IPA for sure. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of hazies, uh, but there is a, there's a time and a place for a domestic can. Uh, I typically am going to go with a Miller light or a Coors original if I'm drinking something like that. But, you know, if you're out on a golf course or, you know, you're going to be putting a bunch of them back out in the sun or something like that in the summer on a lake or something, uh, I think that's a, a great time to to bust out the bush lights. Uh, maybe maybe you have a, a hazy IPA first, and then you switch to bush lights, something like that. But uh, you know, if, if someone offered me a, a bush light, you know, I definitely wouldn't say no. Uh, Eric Wagner wants to know how would Gabriel Moreno's ranking change if he was a full time third baseman? There have been reports that. Uh, that might be his future home in Toronto. Obviously, the uh, I think he, he got in a couple games at third base in the AFL. Uh, I'd, I'd probably rank him around thirtieth overall if he was making that change full time and it and it looked like it was going pretty well. Uh, the big difference, you know, catcher puts a ton of stress on your body, and uh, you, you have the increased risk of injury there. There's also just that that steep learning curve of putting the work in to become a, a competent defensive catcher in the majors that can take a, a toll on a guy's offense. Um, I mean, you can look at Joey Bart as a recent example of that. 
Uh, so, you know, if Moreno was going to be the, the Blue Jays third baseman of the future, that'd be, that'd be really encouraging, right? Because then he could be an everyday guy. Um, and he, you know, he might even be a Dalton Varsho type who plays, you know, 20 to 30 games behind the plate and, and can keep that eligibility every now and then. So, I mean, that, that'd be great as well, but, uh, yeah, I, I would, I'd bump him up, uh, quite a bit if he was going to be a full-time third baseman for the Jays. JLD needs three of Freddie Peralta, Aaron Ashby, Shane Boz, and Mike Clevenger for his standard 13-man Yahoo League, and he says he's in win-now mode. Uh, I'll take the three healthy guys. You know, Clevenger could come back uh, and and be you know back to his his old self, but you know that's not a guarantee at all. Uh, we've seen that with you know Noah Syndergaard is is kind of a recent example of that. Um, you just, you can't, you can't just assume like, all right, we're at the 16 month mark. This guy's going to be back to, uh, his normal self, you know, even if he is fully healthy, you know, sometimes the command doesn't come back right away. Uh, so, you know, Freddie Peralta, Shane Boz, those are pretty easy calls. Aaron Ashby, I'd take over Clevenger as well, uh, just for, um, you know, win now mode in, in 2022. Steven Swan wants to know, are there any 40 man additions who are important for redraft this year? Um, I'm going to tweak this question a little bit and, you know, tailor it for draft and hold leagues. Uh, there are, there are obvious ones, you know, Hunter Green, MJ Melendez, Nick Prado, they were all added to the 40 man as rule five protection, but you know, everyone knows about them. Uh, then some, some kind of more under the radar guys, uh, on the pitching side, Cody Morris and Tobias Myers with the guardians, Josh Winder with the twins, Tommy Romero with the rays, uh, some infielders, Jeremy Pena with the Astros, Brendan Donovan with the Cardinals. I know that's pretty crowded, but Donovan's basically big league ready. Uh, Oswaldo Cabrera with the Yankees. And then some outfielders, Travis Swaggerty, Stephen Kwan, and Richie Palacios, who I, who I mentioned earlier. And then uh, you know, Cody, Cody Thomas with the A's. Yeah, he's he's 27, so he's he's hardly a traditional prospect, but you know, it's the A's. They're they're gonna have openings for playing time. And Cody Thomas's hard hit numbers at the very least are, are very impressive in the minors. And they added him to the 40. So I mean he, he probably gets a look at some point. Colin Campbell uh, asks Christian Santana with Detroit is getting a lot of love in the Bowman card community. What top 50 prospect does his skill set most resemble? Should he prosper? Um, yeah, I mean, Santana is getting a lot of love uh, within the, the general prospect community as well um, for dynasty. Uh, I know Jeff Ponce in a, in a group uh, DM chain I'm in, mentioned that his uh, X stats are off the charts in the DSL. And so, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a guy who is certainly trending up. He will probably be ranked quite a bit higher than he currently is when I, when I update the top 400 uh, as for which uh, prospect does he most resemble? I, you know, I see a lot of comparisons to or Elvis Martinez, uh, you know, Big power, hits the ball hard, very pull heavy. Um, you know, we'll we'll see on the hit tool, 
but it's kind of power is, is the top tool there. So I, I see a lot of similarities between Christian Santana and Aurelvis Martinez. Uh, Chris Thompson wants to know uh, the Rangers spending spree throws a major roadblock in front of a deep stable of middle infield prospects. Do I see position changes coming or will Texas use them as trade capital? So, you know, the, the question I, you know, you, I always get this question about like, are guys blocked, you know, how, how, how are these guys going to find playing time? Um, but we're talking about guys who are outside the top 100, uh, Justin Foscue, Luis Angel Acuna, Josh Smith. I mean, these are guys who I have in the 100 to 200 range. Uh, they don't have any middle infield guys who are in the top 100. So, I mean, if you're being realistic about Foscu, Acuna, and Josh Smith, maybe you get one solid everyday player out of those three. Uh, that's just being realistic. I mean, if you get two, that's awesome. Uh, you know, Acuna could probably handle a move to center field. Uh, the other two are going to be pretty much limited to the dirt. Uh, Foskey and Smith aren't really known for their defense anyway. So, you know, you're talking about second base as kind of their, their best place to play. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think the Rangers, like all their moves, like I, I would not have necessarily done that, but you know, if they're feeling pressure from ownership to try to put a competitive product on the field, uh, that would explain it. Um, so I think, you know, Foskey and Smith, if they're both looking like they're guys who should be playing every day in a year or two, then you can trade them. Um, Corey Seager certainly hasn't been a guy who uh, stays healthy uh, for full seasons. Um, so you move Semyon over when he gets hurt and then you play one of those guys or you give Foskey some time at DH. That would make some sense. Um, you know, I, I I just don't think it's a... Like if you were banking on Foscu just being the Rangers second baseman of the future, like if, if he gets to that level talent wise and production wise, eventually he'll find somewhere to play, whether it's with the Rangers or some other team. But these, you know, this isn't like if they'd got out there and signed a third baseman um, who was going to block Josh Young, then, then we'd be concerned, right? Like as young is ready. He's an elite prospect. Uh, I'm not that high on, Foscu and uh you know I, I like Acuna and Josh Smith relative to how they're valued but it, I think it's just unrealistic to expect all three of those guys or even two of those guys to to fully pan out as everyday guys and maybe they just maybe one of them finds everyday at bats and and another is a utility guy and the other one just completely busts um Chris, uh, who has the, the baseball pods Twitter uh, handle, asks, which Giants prospects do I anticipate arriving in 2022? What type of production can we expect? Um, well, obviously, you know, Joey Bart and Sammy Long, we already saw them, but they are still technically prospects. So Joey Bart and Sammy Long will obviously see uh, Long as kind of like a long reliever swing man. Joey Bart, I... I'm not really interested um, for fantasy. I just think you're talking about a very low batting average, um, probably some power, but also I just don't think he's good enough defensively 
to get the plate appearances for the the runs and RBI to make up for the the batting average. Um, beyond those two, the Giants are kind of where Cleveland was uh, a year ago, where it's just an incredibly exciting farm system, but the vast majority of the exciting guys are multiple years away and are in the lower levels. So like, I think the giants could be the number one system in baseball in a year. Uh, but in terms of guys that can help in 2022, you know, you're pretty much looking at Helio Ramos and Sean Helly uh, Ramos. I think, you know, what he did at AAA last year was pretty concerning, especially considering the vast majority of hitting prospects uh, who got the bump from double A AA to triple A performed even better at triple A. Uh, the pitching there is just, it's not that good. So the fact that Ramos actually performed worse at triple A is a bit concerning. Uh, I think that he heads back to triple A for at least a couple of months. Um, I do not think the giants are going to go into the year saying like, well, we've got Hilo Ramos clearly coming as an everyday guy at some point. Like I think if he forces his way into the mix in July, then great. But um, I don't think they're necessarily banking on that. Uh, and I would not expect him to hit the ground running against big league pitching. Uh, Sean Helly, I think, you know, kind of along the lines of Sammy Long, maybe he's a number four or number five starter uh, long term, but, uh, you know, it's going to be tough for him to pitch well enough to be fantasy viable in 2022, even though I think we do probably see him. And then Chris also wanted to know what my dream versus battle is. Uh, DJ Premier and Rizzo was pretty close to a dream battle. And that was like the first one. I still remember watching that. That was like early pandemic. Uh, really uh, lifted my spirits when that came out. Um, we were all just kind of figuring out what to do with ourselves at that point. And the the primo Rizzo battle was awesome. In terms of a dream battle, like no matter what I say, it's it's not going to be something realistic. So I'm just going to say one that is completely unrealistic because one of the guys is dead and the other guy probably wouldn't do it unless he owned versus. And so that would be Big E versus Jay-Z. Uh, obviously not going to happen, but um, that would be one to dream on for sure. Uh, James Lewis wants to know, other than Roderick Arias, who are the big names in the upcoming J2 class? And will any be slotting in the top 30 of first-year player draft ranks? Uh, you know, I, I apologize that I, I just am not – I have not uh, done a ton of research on the upcoming J2 class yet. There's just too much on my plate right now. Uh, and considering these guys haven't even signed yet, it's just putting the cart before the horse a little bit. Um, you know, Baseball America – covers this better than anyone uh, ben badler does a great job so i would definitely recommend a baseball america subscription if you don't already have one but uh christian christian vaquero who's expected to sign with the nationals and ricardo cabrera who's expected to sign with the reds those are, are the other two kind of big names up there with arias and i would i would expect all three of them to slide into the top 30 i would not expect any of them even arias to slide into the top 10 you know, I, I'd prefer guys like Jay Allen and James Triantos to any of the J2 guys because those guys have upside and they have a proven track record stateside already. Uh, Todd Whitestone, uh, who 
I had a lot of fun partnering with in the NFPC this past year. Uh, wants to know what I think of Josh Young's 2022 redraft value. Uh, what's the hit tool like? Any big splits or major tendencies to pull? Um, you know, Young is, he's, <laughs> for draft and hold, like it's it's a lot easier of a sell, right? Because, uh, you know, we can, we can kind of assume that regardless of what happens with the CBA, that Young will be up. Uh, in a month or two at the, at the very latest. And so you, you don't mind stashing them on your bench there, but in, in leagues with seven man benches, um, you know, I think it kind of depends uh, how your draft is going, um, what you're doing at third base. Uh, we talked on last week's pod about how third base is uh, really the shallowest position besides catcher. So I could see myself, you know, at a point where I just missed out on all the third baseman I liked and maybe I'm going to take Josh Young and then with my final pick, I'll take just a guy that, that can be a placeholder there. Uh, in terms of his hit tool, he's an all-fields hitter. Uh, you know, the hit tool is really special. Like, it could be a 70 hit tool. Um the Rangers were able to unlock uh, some some pull side power uh, after he signed, uh, especially at the the alt site. They were able to do a lot of work with him there. So he, you know, he's got big power to the pull side, but he's going to hit the ball to all fields generally. Uh, he hit better than three hundred against righties and lefties last year, and he's a right-handed hitter. Uh, actually, hit better against same-handed pitching, but obviously a small sample against lefties. So. Uh, I just, you know, I think Josh Young is, is a total stud. Um, I think you can make a case for him over guys like Spencer Torkelson, uh, to be quite honest, even, even over a guy like Adley Rutschman, especially in one catcher leagues. I think that it's a, it's a similar type of production that we're, we're kind of banking on. And he's probably the best bet of those three, honestly, like Torkelson, Rutschman and Young. If if we were to say one of these guys is going to be a 300 hitter in the majors, I think Young is the best bet to be that. And the power, you know, I'd give the edge to Torque, and I'd probably give the edge to Rutschman as well. But he's still got plus power, um, so I think there's there's really very little you can nitpick with Josh Young as a prospect, and he is close to big league ready. Uh, Ross Red K wants to know: Are there any guys in my top 400? that I really like and want to give a big jump to, but I'm just not quite ready to pull the trigger on. Um, you know, I think two guys that kind of come to mind here at the crux of Ross's question are Khalil Watson and Christian Hernandez. Uh, Watson, you know, he's got just massive tools, um, crazy high upside. He, yeah, he's the type of guy, like if he, if he goes out and has a, a big year this year, he could be a top five prospect heading into 2023. Uh, Christian Hernandez, I think, you know, he will be ranked even higher than I have him right now. Uh, there's just, you know, there's so many good prospects in that uh, top 50 to 60, and he hasn't played stateside yet. So it is it is kind of a leap of faith to to put him, you know, inside the top 25 or inside the top 30, but part of me does want to put Christian Hernandez that high, but I do kind of want to see uh, how he does in a uh, complex ball before quite getting him into the top 25. 
Um, and then I'll, I'll give you three guys who I think are going to be ranked quite a bit higher than they already are. Uh, I know that's not the exact nature of Ross's question, but Kobe Mayo, Matt McLean, and James Triantos are three guys who in these mocks I've been doing, I've been eyeing them higher than my rankings would suggest. Uh, so, I mean, I think uh, Mayo and McLean are probably going to be inside my top 50 uh, Triantos certainly inside my top 100. So those, those are three guys who will be higher on the, the next update. Uh, Joel Steen wants to know um, if I see Edward Cabrera in the Marlins rotation and how well he could do uh, as things stand right now, you know, that maybe there's a move to be made. Um, but as things stand right now, I think it's between Jesus Lazardo and Sixto Sanchez for the fifth starter spot. Um, you know, with Lizardo, there's health and production questions. With Sixto, there's health questions. Uh, with Edward Cabrera, there's there's health and production questions. But, um, you know, I think one of those three probably emerges as the Marlins' fifth starter. And, you know, ideally all three of them have strong springs and they, they all look kind of ready to slot into that mix when needed. Uh, but with Cabrera, you know, I, I don't really see 2022 being his coming out party. Um, the command was, was a pretty big issue, uh, last year. And, you know, maybe, maybe that comes a long way, uh, and, and he can kind of fix that, but, He's one of those those bigger, lankier guys with just electric stuff. Uh, it usually takes a while with that type of pitcher before they are just really kind of reliable big league starters. And the Marlins have so much depth there that I just, you know, I think they might take their time a little bit with him. Um, obviously, he's got monster stuff. Uh, if the command comes along and he stays healthy, uh, he could be a guy that, you know, a year from now we're talking about as a top 40 pitcher for, for redraft. But uh, I, I don't think 2022 is that year. I think maybe 2023 is the year where he, he really kind of breaks out. Uh, Mr. Danny uh, wants to know if, if I'm looking at reverse engineering a build by highlighting what I'm looking for at the back of the draft. Are there any positions or specific player types that I'm looking for to scoop in droves late? I uh, wasn't quite sure if Danny wanted to know about redraft or dynasty. So I'll, I'll hit on both. Um, for redraft, I'm waiting on first base. Uh, as I mentioned on last week's podcast, I kind of do a, a Casey Cha uh, type of board where I am. Um, there's there's only going to be you know this x amount of players from the the player pool that i'm even considering and i'm not going to take a first baseman in the first 100 picks of of a redraft league this year there's just too many that i like late and they're obviously not going to help me with stolen bases they're not going to help me with saves they're not going to be an ace of my staff so i'm just not going to use uh, an early pick on first base I also, with the way I'm, a, I'm going to approach my uh, starting pitching in a redraft league, I'm going to get you know three or four guys in the first 150 picks, but then I might go 100 picks uh, without taking a starting pitcher, and then I'll just backfill with guys I like late. Um, that that tended to work for me last year. Uh, with dynasty, I think you want to wait 
for the most part, I think you want to wait on prospects and wait on pitching and most likely wait on catcher. Uh, in a dynasty draft, I am taking uh, position, big league position players with as many of my first 10 to 15 picks as possible. Um, you know, there's there's going to be exceptions. I think, you know, like in the, the Rotoir Dynasty mock, I took Zach Wheeler in the third. I thought that that was just too good a value to pass up uh getting an ace who's got plenty of prime years ahead i took luis severino in i think inside the top 12 rounds uh just think that he's you know a young ace who came back from tommy john surgery last year looked pretty good um i mean you can't just completely ignore pitching in a dynasty startup uh, with your first you know 10 12 picks but uh, I'm not going to go on like a pitching run or anything like that till we get outside the, the first 15 rounds. And then with prospects, like you kind of, you pick your spots. There's going to be pockets of prospects in a dynasty startup where there's sort of a tier of guys and that tier starting to dry up. And like in the, the road to our dynasty mock, I jumped in and grabbed uh, Nick Gonzalez and Nick York uh, with back-to-back picks because I had them valued as top 20 prospects and all the other top 20 prospects were, were pretty far gone. So I saw value there. Um, but I mean, you, you don't want to start a prospect run in a dynasty startup. You don't want to take like the first guy in a tier. Uh, and then with catcher in dynasty, I, you know, I was pretty close to taking uh, Will Smith of the Dodgers in that Rotowire dynasty mock at one point. I just couldn't quite pull the trigger um, because catcher is just, it's not a, posi- a priority position for me in a one catcher league, which that was in two catcher leagues. Um, you know, you can approach that a little differently, but um, for the most part, I'm, I'm waiting on prospects. Um, I'm waiting on the majority of my pitching staff and I'm most likely waiting on catcher in a dynasty, uh, dynasty league. Uh, Sewer league wants to know Jack Leiter versus Max Meyer. Who gets more innings for 2022? Who has the chance to be more impactful? Um, this is this is actually a it's a good question because they sort of have a they're, they're kind of polar opposites in the sense that lighter there's no one standing in his way of joining that Rangers rotation. It's basically whenever they think he's ready, he he's up and he's in there. Whereas Max Meyer, as, as we just talked about, like there's a lot of guys in his way. Uh, but Meyer is much closer to big league ready. Um, not that Jack Leiter is far from being big league ready, but you know, Max Meyer uh, could pitch in a big league rotation in May or June. Uh, Jack Leiter, I think, probably more like July or August in a best case scenario. Uh, so, you know, I think there's a case for drafting either guy in a draft and hold. I'm probably going to just go with Meyer because we have the track record. Like, you know, he needs a couple injuries probably to get in there. But if you look at that Marlins depth chart, like say they trade Eliezer Hernandez, um, Sixto Sanchez doesn't get back from his injury. Jesus Lazardo gets hurt or just struggles. You know, we could easily see all three of those things happening. Right. And then Max Meyer's in there. So I'll, I'll go with Meyer. Uh, and then uh, final question, uh, we'll end on kind of a somber note. Um, Chris Craig wants to know, when will the 2022 
Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Magazine be available. Um, you know, un- unfortunately, we are not going to do a magazine this year. Um, you know, I think if you're if you're familiar at all with sort of the print industry, uh, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it, it just it, it was one of those things where it it took us so much time. Uh, Clay Link, myself, uh, you know, a lot of other people at Rotowire. It just it took a lot of time to put that thing together. Uh, we are still going to put out all of that content, um, more of that content, actually. Like, you know, if we were doing a fantasy baseball magazine this year, uh, I would not be doing these off-season podcasts. Uh, I would not have done the Road of Our Dynasty mock uh, and the ensuing Dynasty update as early as I'm doing it. I would have not have done uh, those two articles on pitchers and, and hitters for uh 2022 only uh tiers um you know just wouldn't have had time to do any of that stuff honestly um but we're still going to be able to put out all the same content we're just not going to have to worry about the magazine aspect of it and you know a big part of it is just uh the labor issues right now you know we would be sending the magazine off to printers in january early january and uh, we would not have any resolution to where the the guys who are still free agents are going to end up. So by the time you'd be doing your drafts in March, um, even more of what's in the magazine would have been outdated at that point um, than it, than even in a normal year. So it uh, just didn't make sense to put the amount of time in to get the magazine done, knowing just sort of how incomplete it was going to be. And we weren't going to be able to do a, a baseball magazine forever. Uh, just, you know, financially, it just didn't make a ton of sense. So this seemed like a good year to, to kind of pull the plug on that. Uh, you know, I, lo- I know a lot of you collect the magazine, look forward to getting the magazine. Um, really sincerest apologies on, on behalf of myself and Clay and everyone else for the fact that uh, you won't be getting that this year. Um, but I, I really encourage you if, if you're not like familiar with the website, rotowire.com, um, if you go there, uh, just go to any player's page. Um, we're going to be releasing the draft kit here in, in about a week, and you'll, you'll see a lot of the outlooks for all the top guys are going to be up on the site uh, earlier than ever. Um, go to any player's page, check out all the stats we have there. Check out in the, the top right-hand corner, there's, there's player outlook. Um, that's where you'll see the, the breakdowns on all these guys. And like I said, I'm going to be doing more articles for the website than I've ever done uh, in the, you know, December, January, et cetera. And there's going to be other, other people, Jason Collette, uh, Todd Zola. There's going to be just a ton of great content up there. Um, so you're not going to be missing anything from a content standpoint without the magazine. Uh, you know, you won't have it physically in your hand, but, um, you know, I just, you know, what else can I say? I'm really, really sorry about that. Um, and uh, that'll that'll conclude things. I hope you guys all enjoyed this. Uh, thanks again to everyone who sent questions. That was that was really huge. Uh, we are brought to you by WinBet, and as I said, uh, starting next week, we'll be having uh, people who participated in the Roadwire Dynasty mock on to discuss their picks, and we'll talk to you then. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.